0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times Facebook live show and podcast covering all things high school sports on Cape Cod Times. I'm Matt Goisman alongside Steve Jardarian. Steve, we had four teams in the playoffs when last week began. Now it's this week, and all four teams are out. So that pretty much wraps it up for the Cape for the winter season. You know, we had four teams go pretty far. I think the Cape Cod Academy, boys basketball, and Uh, Barnstable and Bourne boys hockey teams all made really good games of it in their respective sectional semis. The Falmouth girls had a bit more of a struggle against Notre Dame Academy, but overall it was it was a good postseason run, I think, for local teams.
1: Yeah, I mean when you look at the teams that had close games, I mean all of them had chances to win and yep. I think coming in knew they had chances to win. Falmouth girls bit of a stretch, you know, coming in as a number fifteen going against and a team that won a state championship two years ago. So And they'd lost you twice yeah. by a pretty wide it, margin. It, it was a stretch, but you know, for the most part I think we had some thrilling action this week, and especially if you're the Barnesville boys hockey team seeing Duxbury mm-hmm. pretty much cruised to the final our cruise to the final yesterday. Um you know that you pretty much left it out there and might as well have been the second best team in D one South. Definitely.
0: You know, I so since this is it, we thought we'd do something a little different this week where we're each gonna break down a couple of our favorite stories and storylines from this winter, stuff that we're we really enjoyed covering, teams that we think are teams to watch for next year. Uh you know, we've got the preseason for the spring is going to start up on the eighteenth. That's next Monday. And then there's a full ten games after uh, ten days after that before games can begin on the 28th, uh, unless your boys golf, which will start a little bit earlier. I think the 24th, so end of next week. Uh, so right now we're just going to wrap up the winter, uh, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to be off next week, and then we'll be back in two weeks. We'll start looking ahead to what we're who we think could really shine this spring. Uh, but let's start with basketball. If that's all right,
1: yeah. Just one <clears> quick <throat> note: there be girls golf for the uh, spring. Girls
0: golf. Excuse yeah. me.
1: But yes, let's get into basketball for the I time. I think they ahead. were
0: both spring sports at one point. At one then,
1: point, yeah, but the boys are in the fall. Now I'm old spring. that's no, so. okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, girls. My bad. Uh, so for basketball, I've, I mean, the team I had the most fun covering was the Cape Cod Academy boys. I don't think anybody's too surprised about that. They went 19 and four this year. They didn't win the Cape and Islands League, uh, but they were the last basketball team standing on all of Cape Cod. They were only the only team that made it to a neutral site game, meaning the semifinals or sectional finals. You know, and I was at that Cohasset game, and Cohasset had definitely more height, better balance between its forwards and its guards, and as much speed, if not maybe a little bit more than that. And CCA still was in three points of a South sectional final appearance. It really came down to, you know, back-to-back turnovers on, in the final minute that didn't help, and then they only shot. Five for 14 at the free throw line, which has been a problem of theirs all year. And if either of those things are a little bit better, maybe they win that game. Maybe they're the only team from the Cape to beat a Sashore League team this year. Could they have beaten Abington? Abington beat Cohasset by 15. I'm not so sure about that. But this team was just super fun to watch. Best squad from CCA since 2012. The first Cape Cod Academy team I've seen that could really draw packed crowds uh, for its home games, which is not easy to do, considering that school only has a couple, you know, hundred students, so uh, to fill the Founders Hall gymnasium like that for that, say that Holbrook playoff game where it's loud and everyone's screaming. That's rare at that school, and it's really cool that the school rallied around that team as strongly as it did.
1: Yeah, I think a huge credit has to go to Adam Rose for that. Oh, I mean, yeah. Clearly, younger guy knows has a good connection with not just his players, but I think the whole school, obviously familiar with social media and kind of getting the word out that mm-hmm. we're playing these games. I think that's that's a real asset nowadays, you know, Definitely. to get people to show up for, for things like that and just bring kind of that overall energy and, and be sort of a player's coach of sorts. I don't know. You saw him more often than I did, mm-hmm. but did you kind of get that feeling that he was sort of the kind of that player's coach that people talk about? Oh yeah. I
0: think the, I think he, Rose's players have always liked playing for him. Even when he was at Monomoy, I mean, when he was re, you know, let go there, there was a, a player run petition to get him to come back. It, didn't work. So he wound (laughs) up at Cape Cod Academy. But yeah, I I think he always has had an ability to reach out and connect with his players. I also think that uh, it helped that the girls basketball team really rallied around the success of the boys team. You know, I saw girls players and uh, girls head coach uh, Catherine Marvulo at all the games when I would interview them. You know, when I was able to cover the CCA girls, sometimes they would mention, you know, the boys are doing really well. We feel like we need to step it up as well. So I think that helped get the message out as well, bring more fans, create more of a sense of, of school spirit around this team. you know. And looking ahead to next year, there's no reason they can't do this again. I mean, everybody in theory is going to come back. Monomoy is going to lose Chris Hall and Isaiah Stafford. Nantucket's losing Victor Gamaroni and a f- several other seniors. I think the Cape and Islands League small is going to be wide open for CCA to win. Really what I, th- I think they need to do is just develop another uh, forward. I think that's kind of their biggest gap. Andrew James is a guaranteed starter this year or next year, but I kind of think of him as more of a small forward or a power forward at best. They kind of need that real big man, like a real center. I think probably that's going to be Devin Daniels. I He didn't fill up the statute against Cohasset, but I thought he defended really well. He helped rebound. He didn't let Cohasset's uh, two bigs who were also their senior captains, uh, Mahoney and, and Albanese, I believe were their last names, you know, they combined for 23 points, you know, low low double digits for each of them, which considering the height advantage they had, that's a real good defensive performance. So among the starters for next year, I know it's going to be James, Alex Marchant, Jane Greenleaf, assuming they're all back. So then whether it's Daniels and Cam Pauls or A.J. Lusty or Chris Kenny, um, I kind of like the, the Daniels-Lusty combination the most. I think Daniels has the most upside. He's just got to get a little bit bigger and he's got to get more experience being a starter.
1: Yeah, and you never know, you could get some transfers coming you in. We saw Marshant come in from Cape Tech
0: last year yep. and
1: th- that certainly happened before where Cape Cod Academy's sort of, you know, maybe poach some other players from other schools and hey, you know, if they get offered a scholarship to go to an academy, a lot of kids will take it.
0: Yeah, I mean, James Greenleaf and Daniels all did not do the the like elementary school part of CCA. Right. They were all kids who came in as eighth graders or ninth graders or something like that. So it is possible they get in some transfers, but what I don't think they, what they don't need is another young like player with a lot of potential that they can develop over a couple of years. They need a seasoned forward. They need somebody who knows already kind of knows what he's doing and just has to learn, uh, Adam Rose's system. Right. Uh, so if they're going to recruit, I'd rather see them get like a junior or a senior to come in next year than another, Freshman or eighth grader, right?
1: I know another team that stole a lot of headlines, especially early in the year, was the Mashpee girls basketball team. Finished the season fourteen and eight. The Falcons did struggle once they got to league play. Yeah, Um, and that's probably the you know the biggest reason why um, you know they started ten and two, but then their record kind of tapered off a little bit toward the end.
0: They wound up the eighth seed. They got two home playoff games, but the second one was only because Cohasset upset the number one seed uh, in this in the first round. Uh, You know. Could they have beaten Cohasset? Probably. I mean, they beat him in the regular season, and it, that was a really close game in the quarterfinals. But either way, this Mashpee squad qualified for the postseason for the first time since 2012. They won its first playoff win at home in program history. Those are things that are definitely worth celebrating, and they're definitely things that can be a foundation upon which next year's team uh, can build. You know, they're going to have Ashley Callaher, their all time leading scorer, back. She'll be a senior. She'll be definitely uh, hunting for you know a 1,000 points, which would, she'd be only the second player ever to do that at Mashpee, the first being Devon Ford, who's a senior now. They're going to have turn Turner-Foster and Amaya Peters back. They were eighth graders this year as starting guards. They're going to have a year of varsity uh, experience under their belts. Conceivably, they might actually – they probably still have some physical development. They could get physically bigger, faster, taller, whatever. All of that is just going to help them more and more. Uh, I think their biggest gap is going to be at forward. You know, three of the four graduating seniors are forwards this year. You got Bailey Hutchinreiter, Sarah McNamara, and Cassie Baker. So among the returning front court, that leaves only Kalasia Moore and Stella uh, Stacey, I'm not sure you can get away with small ball and just starting one forward in the South Shore League. So Chris Treska is going to need to develop some new forwards uh, next year, or the same thing might happen where Mashby does great against – Cape and Islands teams, uh, you know, non-league teams, even South Shore League Tobin teams, the smaller ones. But in the South Shore League, you have to play the small schools and the big schools. Right. And I, without more forwards, I don't know how they're going to be able to handle the larger division of the South Shore League. Because
1: right. shooting can only take you so far because there's going to be nights you have off nights. But, yeah, we saw yeah. it a couple times this year when – when there was a height height mismatch for Mashby, that they yeah. were at a disadvantage. But still, I give a lot of credit to Coach Chris Dreska, as we just mentioned with Adam Rose. Certainly, players coach. I oh, yeah. constantly see him, you know, posting his players' accomplishments on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he's trying to build the program from the base up, and in, you know, three, I believe three years, four years, he's really turned that team yeah. into a winner, and a team that would only win a few games, you know, beforehand.
0: And there was a game I covered this year where he wasn't there, and they played mean straight up worse i mean they didn't know what they were doing with their defense they, it was really a struggle to score points they almost lost to a team that had only like six kids on the team and like one or two wins they didn't almost lose but they should have won that game by, by a lot more so clearly he is playing a huge role in the instruction he gives and his game plan ability and mm-hmm. his in-game management uh ability so yeah he he's really does get a lot of credit for what Mashpee's accomplished.
1: Yeah. And certainly run into a lot of good coaches. You know, we're not just we're just singling out these two of course because they had successful yeah. seasons this year. But and you lots know, of them did. I mean you no, know, a lot but you get a lot of coaches across the Cape who certainly do a similar sure. you know, job. It just yeah.
0: I mean Bob yeah. Busher did a great job with the Falmouth girls this year. Ross Jacola did a good job with the Barnstable girls. Steve Wilson did a good job with Nosset in mm-hmm. his first year with that team. Uh Paul Lundberg always does a good job with the Falmouth boys. You know, so, I mean, we could go down the list if we wanted Right, to, right, but. right. So,
1: no, it's definitely an interesting basketball season. And, yeah, as we, as you said, you hope to see these teams get back to that point and expand on that next year. Exactly. But, we'll turn it over to hockey. Yeah, certainly. So, uh, Thursday night, born boys, you know, for, for a long time, I, re- I really thought that they were actually going to pull off, you know, the victory here. They played well, really. They had a 1-0 lead. Well, you know what the funny part is, and I don't want say really funny for Bourne's perspective um, (laughs) is that really in three games, you know, hockey's a 45-minute game unless you play overtime. They played 134 minutes, I thought, of good defensive hockey. Mm -hmm. It was one minute in that Ashland game that just seemingly spoiled everything else with the three goals in 53 seconds. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the season ended in heartbreak on home ice to Ashland's second straight year, unfortunately. But, you know, again, this team really did play inspired hockey, I thought, especially down the stretch. You know, Frank Carpino had took in this team from you know Tom Wells. He'd been an assistant coach for many years, so I mean it was a simple transition. But still, technically speaking, his first year at the helm, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of making those top decisions. But you know, he he, the team really shined with the seniors, and especially with Max and Joe Hess, Christian Mulkern, Chase Lapworth. All scoring a hundred points this year. I think three of them actually had it on the same night. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I believe that's correct. So you know, anytime you have four of those players, I mean, a lot of teams would be lucky to have one or two of those guys yeah, who, who hit that ridiculous. mark. To have four is is indicative of that group. Mm-hmm. You know, this group won ten straight games during the regular season at one point. That helped sure up the South Shore League title or should be mm-hmm. the South Coast Conference title. Um, they also won the Canal Cup for the second straight year, which that's a big impact. You know, uh, considering that Sandwich kind of dominated that rivalry in the early part of the decade, and mm-hmm. even the early, you know, two thousands. Yep. So, I mean, to see born win two in a row shows th- there's a good, you know, back and forth now. And it's one of our favorite games every year. You know, just, they meet only once and definitely, uh, it's fun time to watch, but, um, you know, this team scored a hundred goals during the regular season, played tremendous, again, played that tremendous defense, only gave up one goal in its first two tournament games. And then it was just that three goal span and, mm-hmm. in a four, three loss that made the difference. Um, they still have some great talent coming back. You know, Mike Benito is one of those guys, and not just because he scored two goals against Ashland, but mm-hmm. really all season long, Frank, Coach Frank Carpino said he's just one of those seasons who really just brings the same hard-nosed effort day in and day out. I wouldn't be surprised if the junior now, next year as a senior, as a captain mm-hmm. next year. Um, also had another goal in the tournament. Um, Fellow uh, junior Kyle McGuire, goaltender, is going to be back as well. I think he's he played really well in stretches this year, and I don't think you can blame a lot of the Ashland loss on him. I, I, you know, The goals are going to go in against a really talented team. Yeah. You know, it happens. Um, but he's a kid who seemingly is able to shake off bad games and come back even stronger. So we'll see how that turns out. And then you get Owen Lapworth, a sophomore. Had a really great playoff run. I think he had four points mm-hmm. um, total in the, in the uh, postseason. So even though the Canale are going to have a lot of gaps to fill, you know, close to 10 seniors, um, I think they can definitely su- you know, maintain some success and contend for the SEC title. The problem's going to be whether or not they can continue building on the ladder because you know they got to the first round a few years ago. They lost. They got to the quarterfinals last year, mm-hmm. and they lost. And then this year, they get to the semifinals and lost. So it's going to be tough losing all those seniors to, to, to make that yeah, next-step progression. Yeah, it's a lot of points
0: are, they're taking off the board. But.
1: Um, it's certainly going to you know require a lot of... Um, you know, game planning and stuff like that. But I I think Bourne has kind of reinvigorated a program that I, you know, had been falling off a little bit. And I think now is back to where a lot of people expect it to be.
0: Sure. Nice honorable mention, I think, for the Barnstable Boys hockey team. They made the semifinals. They lost in double overtime to number one seed Duxbury. I think they were definitely a team that was playing its best hockey at the end of the regular season, winning the Coach Melchino showdown and then in the playoffs. You know they they beat Falmouth this year, which is a I don't think that had happened for this senior class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another team that's definitely losing some talent, but another team that had a really great season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they it, again, like I said at the top of the show, you know, given how Duxbury beat Franklin three nothing in yesterday's final, Barnesville mm-hmm. could very well be playing in the state semifinal this week mm-hmm. if you look at it. You know, they beat Franklin in last year's playoffs. They beat them one nothing this year. Um, it would have been a tough, you know, a tough ass to try to beat that Franklin team again. But nonetheless, you know, certainly they can look and say, hey, we belonged in that tournament. We belonged, you know, right there at the end. And they did. They they, they had both teams had a lot of chances in that overtime. Mm-hmm. And then the second overtime when it went to three on three. So, um, you know, tough way for, for, for it to end. Guys like Jack Cordero, Sean and Brendan Jones, the seniors there, but there's tons of talent coming back with this yeah. team too, especially with you know junior alternate alternate captain Brian Fry. Yep, going to be real strong in the wings. Um, goalie Connor Higgins, only a sophomore, really played out of his mind at the end of the year when we weren't really sure for a long time was going to get the playoff start. But clearly that position's his now with yeah, Eddie I was Donovan ask about graduating. That. Eddie Donovan's graduating the senior so. Um, it'll be interesting, and then Jack younger brother Chris is going to be back too. And Jack Chris had a ton of points this year, absolutely, and twenty—I
0: think twenty points or something like that. You know, I could see him
1: trying to become a leader as well, just like his older brother. Mm-hmm. And then you got Jack Longwell, a guy who I I think is likely to be a captain next year. We'll see. You know, has got to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in the future, but um, yeah, I think Barnesville still has a lot to look forward to, and I, and I think they're going to be a contender for the next couple of years. Very cool.
0: On the girls' side, I mean, the ACL was stacked this year, Atlanta Coast League, and I think we had two teams that, that were really – had great seasons that were real fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, Falmouth and DY girls, clearly, you know, if the talent can stay there for both of those programs, which we've seen has been a little bit of an issue. Yeah, we've seen like teams like Sandwich get poached in the past mm-hmm. for, for players from prep school. Um, but if these players stick around, uh, you're going to have quite a few years of some really interesting show – you know, uh, showdowns between these two programs. They play twice a year at least. This time they played three, of course, with their mm-hmm. playoff matchup. And, you know, Falmouth came up on top in that rubber match on neutral ice. Um, it's just funny how neither team seems to play the other well at, on their own home yeah. ice. <laughs> the last two years, the road teams won every time these teams have played. So, And then on neutral ice, you had a 5-4 decision. And Falmouth got to the quarterfinals for so the first time since the Clippers won a state title in 2015. So... Mm-hmm. Certainly a good run. And for Falmouth, you've got to give a huge amount of credit to the seniors. Hannah Toby, Maddie Robichaud, Jackie Tolino for mm-hmm. being a leader for so many underclassmen who are so essential to the Falmouth team. You know, if, if Falmouth can get back players like freshman Sam McKenzie, who's their scoring leader, I believe, and then eighth graders Megan Isato, Ryan McDonald, Abby McDonald, Katie Shanahan, mm-hmm. plus rising senior Kate Brody. Yep. This program has a very viable future, I think. And especially if McKenzie can become that real impact player next year. Right. I really think the sky's the limit for that program.
0: I would say also Azado and McDonald both have really strong upsides that we haven't seen the most of yet. They were really impactful, especially in the postseason.
1: Right. I wouldn't say they necessarily have the same star power as the gaffings, but at the same time, not many players do. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> so that might get
1: overshadowed a little bit. But eighth graders playing as well as they did this year is actually a you know a tremendous accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I think both of them, are gonna, again, are going to be key to the future, assuming they, they stick around too because – Believe it or not, that jump from eighth grade to ninth grade gear could be huge. Oh yeah, and so forth, you know, throughout their varsity career. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see where they go there. Uh, and then they got an A three goalie, who loses the Armor too. So if the goaltending situation is stable, right, you know, you could have a uh, could make another run at this thing next mm-hmm. year. DUI. It's really all the questions. McGaffigans will stick around. You know, Sam Johnson told me a couple weeks ago that they said they want to stick around for his senior for Johnson senior year. Mm-hmm. So. We'll see if that you know pans out. You know, Tesla Bell, the goalie, was a freshman this year, played in the postseason, so you you could have your goaltender back again for you know a bunch more years. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the Holmes trio. You know, Lily, Chase, and Phoebe. Yep, all of them are are not going to be or not seniors this year, so likely will be back again. So there's certainly talent that's sticking around for DY. Right. The question is, if and really for both of these programs, is can they build their JVs and build that depth back up? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the good news is I think youth programs, especially now, there's a huge emphasis on girls hockey and trying to build that sport. Mm-hmm. But that obviously takes a few years to kind of pan out and and to see that increased participation. I think right. honestly now I think you're seeing the the product of a downturn maybe in girls hockey. There weren't as many players interested. I mm-hmm. think now they're trying to reverse that trend and get more people interested. And, I agree. You know, you see young girls watch the, uh, the the Olympic game last year with the U.S. beating in Canada. Yep. Well, one of the most highly watched Olympic hockey games of all time. For sure. Um, certainly, that's a role model for a lot of players, and I think has inspired a lot of people. And you hope that kind of helps invigorate those programs because you don't want to necessarily be relying on eighth graders year in and year out. You right. want them to grow and develop at the JV level, and hopefully—and and a lot of these players play club, too. Right. Make no illusion about that.
0: But Right. And if you have that depth, that also can pay off in having more lines that you can play in and out of the game. I mean, one of D.Y.'s biggest issues is they had one real offensive you know, forward line and then kind of a second line they could rotate in. And after that, that was kind of it. So they were just subbing in two lines back and forth, and that'll tire any team out.
1: And they all got to play special teams, too. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, Falmouth had the same problem, though. They really only had, you know maybe two lines at best, and you really, if you can get a third or ideally a fourth, but that's a little bit rare at the high school level, then you really can play hard everybody all the time. If you only have two lines that you're subbing between, you got to manage time much more carefully because you don't want your teams dead in the third period, which we've seen, I mean, we've seen it in girls hockey, I've seen it in boys hockey, the St. John Paul team, when they lost in the postseason, they were, their depth issues definitely, they looked dead at the end of the third, I mean, that's why they need to develop more youth players, have more of an influx of talent coming in and ready to play at the varsity level. Right.
1: So I'll do it for hockey. Um, we'll talk about wrestling real quickly. Yep. Certainly Connor Keegan, I think the one Sandwich, wrestler, right, yeah. you know, call it a top cape wrestler to win not just a D3 sex or south sectional title at 120 pounds, also winning, well, actually that six sectional championships. is six, six straight years mm-hmm. that Sandwich has gotten a sectional champion. A lot of S's in there. I, just, yeah, right. <laughs> I got a little tied up there for a second. <laughs> Um, but then he took down defending uh, state champion Christian Revis to save his 4-3 decision, um, facing an opponent that only gave up two points all season. You know that that's pretty impressive, no matter how you cut it. Mm-hmm. Um, Keegan is, and his brother Kevin should be back, and I expect both will be determined to make it. You know, further in the All-State tournament, and then the ultimate goal is make it to New England and be one of the best. Um, I'm sure both will spend plenty of time up in the dungeon in Hanover. That seems Mm -hmm. to be the pattern for most of these excelling wrestlers.
0: Especially from Sandwich High, yeah. They've had a number of kids uh, wrestle up in in Hanover.
1: And again, a good relationship with the coach up there. So, Mm -hmm. um, And then quick shout-out to, for Sandwiches: Paul Cody and Peter Brady, they were both second place for D3 South, and both kept pretty good seasons for the Blue Knights. Mm -hmm. And um, Cody, I think we talked about on the show before, is planning to go off in the Marines, so obviously wish him the best of luck there. Uh, I think he's be shipping out in uh, August or something like that. So. Hope he stays safe. Indeed.
0: You know, we'll turn over to swimming. This is going to shock probably <laughs> literally nobody, but my pick <laughs> is the Nantucket boys uh, team. I mean, it just what an unbelievable season for the Whalers. An undefeated regular season, which is pretty much par for the course for them. The first South sectional title in school history. They finished second in state, which is the highest finish in program history. They won three individual state titles. I I really don't think a state championship was possible given you know Wayland's number of qualifiers. But you could hear when we talked to Tyler Rothke uh, after the tournament when he called into our show, this team walked away from Boston University feeling nothing but pride and joy in what they'd done. And those were well-deserved emotions. And I think there's every chance Nantucket could be back next year. I mean, Rothke will be back. Grant Beebe will be back. Same goes for Kevin Johnson, uh, Matt Guccetti, Aiden Roberts, and Jared O'Connor, all kids who swam or dove, uh, in Matt's case, at the uh, state meet. You know, they're going to lose three seniors, and and they are big ones. You know, James Tafe, Cooper Norris, Cameron Gottlieb. Tafe especially, he was part of – He's been a. he's going to be a big loss. He was often the one in individuals that finished behind Rothke. He swam a couple of relays, you know – They're going to need a giant program to compete with Whalen for a state title, and I don't think Nantucket has really ever had that. But no one is going to challenge the Whalers in the Bay Colony Conference, and if they can just develop you know, maybe a couple more swimmers to replace what they're losing, I think another sectional title and another great performance at state, that is very possible.
1: No, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the girls program put together a pretty good season too. You girls know. were great, yeah. You don't have to – they sometimes maybe get overshadowed, but, yeah. I mean, the depth that Nantucket boys did. have is certainly unprecedented. And um,
0: But the girls were right, undefeated. They right. finished, I think, in the definitely in the top ten at state. They set several school records this year. I mean, that program is also extremely spr- strong and also hurt a little bit by not being that big of a, of a total roster.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, switch over to track real quickly too. wrap um, Yeah. Yeah. The Nosset girls, you know, outstanding season for my money was, I think the best team combined mm-hmm. when it came to the winter season. Second at the D four state meet their highest finish in indoor track. Yep. Um, certainly a huge addition with Monique Malcolm yes. winning the 55 and the 300, um, in the D four state meet. But you know, Izzy Nobley and Abby Farrell, both really strong distance runners. They placed in the top five in their respective events. Mm-hmm. And the 4x4 relay team set a school record, you know, with uh, Rebecca Pranga, Sophie Christopher, Izzy Nobly, and Kara Moore. Yeah. So um, that's a big carryover, of course, from cross-country. That's always been a real successful program. I mm-hmm. think it was, I think not this past fall, but the year before, I think it was like second or something like that at the state uh, meet.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, two years ago, they were sectional champions or, right. or- Cross country and track, it's all a little. The terms for the postseason are a little dif- different, right. but they did. I mean, last year, this past fall, they were really good, and two years ago, they were they were really, really good. They were like banner raising good, um, you know. But this a team, like a lot of the teams we've mentioned, they're young. They're going to be back next year. Monique Malcolm was just a uh, a sophomore, I think. Uh, yeah, so was Nobly. So was Christopher Farrell Moore and Pranga, They're all juniors. You know, you look at the final standings in the D4 meet, and Nasa was just two points behind North Reading in the final standings. So, one or maybe two more elite runners, and a little bit more improvement by the by these six if they all come back. Nasa could win a state title next winter. It is definitely in their within the you know their wheelhouse.
1: Right. And what I like is that you get to see these athletes in the spring too. When you take an athlete like Malcolm, don't be surprised if they try to get her into like long jump and triple jump too with yeah. that sprinting speed. That's a huge asset, and you're going to need that to score points in, in the spring because it's not just running events that you know are predominant in indoor. Definitely, certainly, uh, I'll be interested to see if she stepped up and really performs well in field events as well. Mm-hmm. So, in speaking of field events, certainly, um, D wise, Tiana Basie and Fowles, Abby Abbey who were worth mentioning. Obviously, Basie, the the Louisville bound senior. Um fortunate we do get to see her compete again in the spring season. You know, it's not so much of a farewell as it is for other winter sports. Yeah, right. <laughs> you get to see, you know, one more season. Um, she won the D4 state title indoors this year with a toss of 40.6, But and then was third at All-States uh, for a little bit shorter than that. But what was great was that right behind her was found with junior Abby Chorches. Mm-hmm. Um, she was second at the D4 state meet, fourth at All-States, and Chorches actually won up, Basie, by competing in the New England uh, meet and finishing in the top ten. Definitely. So. As I said, should be fun to watch both of those in the in in the spring. And Chorch is only a junior; is going to be back for senior year. I think certainly if she can make those strides, maybe get to some of Basie's distances, mm-hmm. there's no reason why she couldn't get an offer to compete at the next level.
0: Definitely. And what's interesting uh, is the spring has a lar- a more expanded slate of field events. So
1: With the discus and yeah, the
0: discus and the javelin. So we could see these two contributing more. And uh, We can see their names popping up more and more in the spring than we do in the winter where there's just th- – the shop was the only indoor event because it would be kind of dangerous, I think, to throw the javelin in an indoor track. Well, event. you
1: also have the high jump and s- well, yeah, sometimes you-, you have the long jump indoors. It depends on which schools. I don't think they count it towards the right, meet year. Right, but anymore. you definitely
0: don't have the triple jump, right. which is a spring-only thing. So.
1: Yeah, so I think that'll just about wrap it up for the winter. It's a warm day, so it's fitting that this is kind of the end of our yeah <laughs> of our winter Hopefully season. Hopefully, we're wrap through up. it.
0: It seems like maybe we're through it, and and we're spared a little bit this winter. Not not as bad as you know. Remember all those power outages last year. So uh, although you know.
1: yesterday the lights were out because of the rainstorm That's down on true. Main Street. So, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but at least it wasn't as cold.
1: You never know. You never know. So uh, if you missed any of this live show, you can check it out on our Facebook page. Uh, Cape Cod Times Facebook page. You can also go to Cape Cod Times slash Cape Sports Now to listen to the show. Um, you can download the podcast and uh, Google, the Apple, Android devices, all that stuff, and uh, you can also find or uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Steve underscore Derdarian. My last name's D E R D E R
0: I A N, and I'm at Matt Goisman C C T. That's M A T T G O I S M A N C C T.
1: We're going to be taking a little hiatus next week, but we should be back uh, the next following Monday with a uh, yeah, start Yeah, on of the 25th. For the uh, start of spring sports. Should Absolutely. Be
0: fun. See you then. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance
1: of Derek Hennigan.